All right, good morning. You're stuck with me today. Pastor Errol and family are out west in California. Pastor Dave's father turns 100 this week, and so they're having a big party, which I would love to crash, but I'm not going to get to do that. So they're having a wonderful time on the West Coast. A big shout out and hello to my mom and dad who streamed this time each week. So say hi to mom and dad, everybody. All right, awesome. All right, so if uh, you know me at all, you may be familiar with the fact that I just love movies. I love cinema. And some of the better movies out there do, in fact, tell us something about ourselves and about our culture. Some of the better movies out there even manage to convey spiritual truth, even if they're not trying to do so. And so to get into what I want to talk about today, I brought three pictures from three of my favorite films. I have lots of favorites, but these are just three. And I'm kind of reaching back into the vault a bit, so um, I'll be curious to see if this works. So here we go. Image number one. What movie? West Side Story. Yeah, West Side Story is, uh, is this film inspired by Romeo and Juliet. West Side Story takes place in uh, the vibrant battlegrounds of New York City's West Side in the 1950s, where just like in real life, gangs do battle through elaborate dance moves. It's amazing. Now, in the midst of this deep-seated rivalry between the Puerto Rican gang, the Sharks, yeah, and the white gang, the uh, Jets, boo, Tony and Maria, try to fight through the hatred and the division with their love. And since it's based on Romeo and Juliet, things don't turn out so well. But it's a wonderful film, great story, great music, dealing with themes like love, longing, overcoming obstacles and barriers through love. Okay, what movie? This one's a giveaway. Fiddler on the Roof, yeah. Reb Tevia, the story of Reb Tevia. It's a movie about him, about his daughters. It's a story about love. It's a story about persecution. It's a story about tradition. It's a story about change. It's a story about God. Like the moment where Reb Tevia is talking about all the traditions that they have in their little village of Anatevka. And he looks right into the camera and he says, here in our little village of Anatevka, we have traditions for everything. How to eat, how to sleep, how to wear clothes. For instance, we always keep our head covered and wear a little prayer shawl. This shows our constant devotion to God. You may ask, how did you get all these traditions? I will tell you, I don't know. (laughs) But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. That's pretty good stuff from Reb Tevye. At one point, oh, gee, thanks. Wow. I passed the audition. Amazing. So at one point he sings, if I were rich, I would have the time that I lack to sit in the synagogue and pray and maybe even have a seat at the Eastern Wall. And I would discuss the holy books with the learned men several hours every day. That would be the sweetest thing of all. You talk about longing and dreams and hopes. That would be the sweetest thing of all for Eptevia. It's an awesome film. It's about struggle. It's about longing. It's about suffering. Reptevia's world is filled with violence and change and a bunch of progressive daughters. <laughs> so they collide in a beautiful but often sad and tragic way. All right, last one. Movie? Little Mermaid. Did you know that The Little Mermaid is going to turn 29? It was 29 years ago. Yikes. I remember when it was new. And uh, I've been known to cry during this film because 
when Ariel and her little animated eyes look into the camera and she goes, up where they walk, up where they run, you know what? Up where they play all day in the sun, she sings wandering free. Wish I could be part of that world. And I'm like, I get you, Ariel. I know you, Ariel. Because I know what it's like to long. I know what it's like to thirst. I know what it's like to hunger. And so does Ariel. So she's willing to get rid of her fins and get some legs and lose her voice just to be up where they run. And you know what? All of us know what it means to hunger, to thirst, and to long. Let's stand together just for a moment and read these verses from Romans. Paul is talking to us. And so let's read this together. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children including the new bodies he has promised us. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. You and I, we know what it is to thirst, to hunger, and to long for. At least we should. We are to see and we are to understand our earthbound longings and hungers in the light of the reality of redemption in Christ. We are to live with our passions and our longings filtered through the promise of future glory. We're to live with the understanding that we are not long on this earth. We are to live with a sense of groaning. We're to live with an eager hope that goes way beyond now, the present. We are to live with the desire to be released from sin and suffering. Paul teaches us that to live in this world is to embrace a sense of groaning. And this only makes sense when we put our faith in God and we trust him for the future glory that he promises us in his word. This only makes sense when you and I, without a sense of cynicism, without hatred, without frustration, without kind of a stoic attitude, just admit and recognize that there is something profoundly wrong with everything around us and something profoundly wrong inside of us that cries out for some kind of resolution, some answer ultimately is crying out for redemption. I don't want to experience anymore. I don't want to groan. I don't want to experience the, the loss and the grief that I still feel surface in my spirit from losing two of my best friends in recent years. I don't want to go there anymore. I don't want to feel that again and watch the spiritual and emotional and psychological trauma that that has created in some dearly loved people in my life. I don't want to admit that I have thoughts that were I to share them with you, you simply would not want to hear another word I have to say this morning. I don't want to tell you that at times I struggle with my sense of worth and identity that my natural bent is to take and not give, especially in the story of my marriage, that sometimes my failures and sins come back and they haunt me. So the question comes, how do we live in this world 
while we're waiting for the future glory promised to us in the scriptures. And so we're going to take a few moments to talk about our longings, the longings that every single person in this room, myself included, we all share these longings, these hungers. And we're going to put them in categories. We are thirsty people. We long for physical comfort, just casual longings. Okay, I hope the chair is comfortable. Or I hope Carlos doesn't speak too long this morning. Or please let them get the drive through order right just once, just once. I just want black coffee, no sugar, no cream, black coffee. Okay, that's all I want. Or the physical comfort of a nice big bowl of vanilla ice cream. Or the casual longing that I have for dry cereal bags to be easier to open. Because when I take out the box of Cheerios and I try opening the bag, I get a resistance workout. Just try and open up the cereal bag. Casual longings for the love of General Mills. What is that about? So all of us have casual longings. Now, if they're not met, okay, I might whine. I might get a bit aggravated and frustrated. But this isn't the end of life, okay? Their preferences and casual longings, they do have a place in my life and your life. But hopefully, hopefully, they're not that big a deal. But then we are thirsty people. We long for good, healthy relationships. Now, these are critical longings. We all have legitimate needs for healthy relationships. We want to get along with our kids. We want to get along with our parents. We, we have longings and desires for our marriage relationship. We want to get along with our in-laws, with our coworkers, our neighbors. We want these relationships to be healthy and, and improving and just enjoyable, you know, all those things. So anything that falls within the category of relationships represents the category of our critical needs. Now, this is big stuff. If our needs relationally, because this is how we reflect the image of God, we're created for community, for intimacy. And if these needs are not met, we will struggle and will struggle deeply. And all of us can share a story about what happened when life went awry because relational needs kind of got crazy, right? So we all, we all know this. Number three, we are thirsty people. We long for a profound sense of security and significance that only a relationship with God can provide. I'm going to read it again. We all long for this crucial longing, a profound sense of security and significance that only a relationship with God can provide. We all have crucial longings. In fact, every person on the planet has crucial longings. Now, I did not say a profound sense of happiness because we're happy according to our circumstances. Sunshine on my shoulders makes me, makes me happy, right, makes me happy. If I get the right order through the drive-through, I am happy. If I can eat my Cheerios, I'm happy, okay? It's the circumstances in life that we kind of deem, well, that made me happy, that didn't make me happy. No, I'm talking about something way deeper than happiness. In fact, crucial longings represent the most profound needs of the human soul. This is the kind of longing that can never be met by any relationship on this earth. This is the kind of longing that can never, ever be met by any relationship on earth. This is the kind of longing that no pleasure, no experience, no drug, no status in life, no gold medal, no Emmy, no Oscar can ever come close to meeting. 
I need the security that comes from understanding that I am unconditionally loved, accepted, and welcomed just as I am. With all my sin, with all my faults, with all the goofiness, just all of it, just, just for who I am. I have a need for significance that I can meaningfully impact other people. That my life does, in fact, have purpose meaning, value, worth. Now, we will simply not make it. We won't make it if we do not have our crucial longings met. And we were shown that this past week. The Center for Disease Control just reported this week that nearly 45,000 lives were lost to suicide in 2016. Suicide rates went up more than 30% in half of states since 1999, 54%, more than half of people who die of suicide did not have a known medical condition or mental condition. Now, many factors contribute to the decision to take one's life. The statistics show that relationship problems account for 42% of suicides. No relationship on this earth will ever be able to meet the crucial longings that you and I have. Now, we're made for community? Absolutely. Relationships are critical? Absolutely. But too often, you and I place in that category of critical needs what we should be placing in the category of crucial needs. We expect relationships to do for us and be for us only what God can do for us and be for us. This past week, we were discussing the loss of Anthony Bourdain at home, and my wife made this note, all the public success, all the accolades, all the talent, all the social media buzz, all the fame could not relieve or meet private pain, inner struggle, and the loss of security and significance that can often accompany fame. And you know what? If we're not careful in the church, we can just kind of walk around and pretend that everything's okay. I'm all right. You're all right. And you know that pain and anxiety and fear that, you know, sometimes we all kind of run across in life? Well, that can easily be cared for with prayer, Bible study, and small groups. Now, don't misunderstand me because those are all important. But there's never a quick, easy fix. Never for life's challenges. It's more like this long, arduous journey that continues on and on and on. That does include prayer, Bible study, small groups, it includes being faithful to God, obedience, knowing his promises, following our Lord Jesus. It is also a journey that's meant to be taken with others. My college president used to say, prayer for a Christian is vital. Time alone with God is not an option for a Christian. It is vital to walking and following Christ. But then he would say, sometimes... You need God wrapped up in skin. And I never forgot it. He said it once, I never forgot it. We need each other. We need each other. Real with each other is recognizing, surfacing, and talking about where we are. Real with each other is loving each other as we are for the glory of Christ. And, and this is what's missing often, for the edification of our souls. We sort of live in an oversharing world, right? Right? Twitter, Facebook, everything else. It's like we overshare, but 
but that there's no purpose or goal in the sharing. And the Bible talks about edification, a word we just don't use or hear much. Edification is to build, to lovingly build Christian character and perspective in another person's life. So don't be the oversharing person. Be the person who says, this is where I'm at. Can you point me to Christ? Or be the person that says, I'd like to help point you to Christ. Okay. Now, what does that look like? What does it look like in real life, in real time? How would we work this out? Okay. So um, here's an example from a sister in Christ that I saw on Facebook. I asked her permission to share this, to read it, and she gave me a resounding yes. She writes, it's like we all know that we all know someone who struggles with anxiety and depression. And yet, when a celebrity commits suicide, we are all just really stricken by it. It's because we see them as having it all. The dream come true. The job, the money, the fame. They made it. Well, guess what? It is no surprise that people who haven't achieved any of that struggle as well. I'm one of them. Behind this smugness are some serious demons, fears, struggles. And I know you have them too. And that is okay. I know what it's like to feel so alone in the midst of countless acquaintances. I want real, authentic, genuine relationships. Ones that we talk about, what keeps you up at night, your anger, your jealousy, your seemingly irrational fears of life. Please reach out to me if you feel alone, struggling with any negativity in your life. I will be here for you. I feel as though it is my duty to do that for others. Let me be a light in your life, please. Jen Senders posted that. Now, don't everybody call her because, you know, that won't be good. <laughs> but man, my heart and my mind just were blown by her honesty, her willingness to be real. Really, her willingness, what she's saying, I believe, is to edify others. You see, all of us, all of us, your story, your circumstances, your journey is an opportunity to be Jesus for someone else. That's what God desires to do with your story. That's so valuable and, and of great worth you are and what God has brought into your life and story are for someone else. You have an opportunity to say to one another, I will be here for you. I will struggle with you. I will help you see that you're not alone. I'm interested in pointing you back to Jesus and then sometimes willing to say, will you please do that for me? And when the church does this, welcoming, accepting, loving people as they are, where they are, edifying, pointing you back to Christ. When the church does that, it is being the church in the most significant, beautiful way possible. So let's get back to our question. How? How do we live in this world while we're waiting for the future glory promised in the scriptures? Well, Jen has already helped us out. Let someone inside. If you're hurting, tell someone. You are not alone should be the cry of every single person in this room to every single person in this room. Be real with someone. Take that step of just being who you are with a trusted family member, a friend, or one of us weird pastors. <laughs> now, 
one-on-ones. Just me and someone else? That sounds scary. I kind of hear what you're saying, Pastor Carlos, but that's kind of new for me, so this is different. Okay. Masters Men, Divorce Care, Celebrate Recovery, Real Life Groups, 360 Ice, NBC Young Adults, LifeBridge, Reengage. Have you guys heard of Reengage? One of the things I love about, how did that slide get up there? That's really weird. One of the things I love about Reengage is we get right to it. Whether your marriage is at a two or a nine, we're all encouraged to admit, to recognize that we simply need to grow, that we need to learn way more about what we know, about what it means to love our spouse as a follower of Christ. My biggest takeaway personally from Reengage was learning to admit and begin to heal from the sin of using my marriage relationship to fulfill my crucial longing for significance and security. I too often expect Ruth to serve me, meet my needs, live for me in such a way that what I was really doing is demanding something from her that only God can provide. And if you want to know more, I would love to talk with you more about that. So we actively pursue real relationships in one-on-one context or in a group context. Just open up your life. Does someone know you? Does someone know what you're dreaming about? Does someone know a struggle? Okay. Does someone know challenges that you're facing, victories that God has given to you? Does someone know you? Okay. Are you sharing your life with someone? And then are you opening up your heart to someone else to welcome them, to edify each other? Remember, the goal is Let's get back to Jesus. What does Christ tell us as we share what's happening in our life? Now, this requires trust. We have to trust God with what we share and what we give out to others. Because we all know relationships are messy and it's going to get crazy. It's probably going to include perhaps some pain and kind of awkwardness, etc. You know know what it's like. But remember that the greatest hurts in life come in relationship and the greatest and deepest healing in life comes in relationship? Are you actively pursuing relationship? Because all of us, all of us need God wrapped up in some skin. How do we live in this world where we're waiting for the future glory promised in the scriptures? We choose to live joy-filled lives. I'm going to read that phrase again. We choose to live joy-filled lives according to the foundation of God's word and not according to our circumstances. We choose to live joyful lives according to the foundation of God's word and not according to our circumstances. Would you read this with me, please? The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. If you've ever gotten a card or something from me, I'll often put Zephaniah 317 because this is probably my favorite verse in all of the scriptures. Just uh, amazing, amazing insight into God's character and love. If you read the three chapters of Zephaniah, this verse will jump out and hit you on the head like it did me when I first read it. Because Zephaniah contains some of the most visceral and just stark and wrath-filled pronouncements of judgment and wrath from God upon God's people and upon many nations. In my opinion, it could have been simply the darkest book in the entire Bible. And then this verse and other verses come and suddenly we're pointing and we're we're kind of shown and the lights come on and we see God's love, 
We're directed to his mercy, to his desire to heal and restore and make new and provide. It's a remarkable book. I just want to encourage you to read it. In the series, we just finished up the story. Pastor Errol would often talk about the upper story, that perspective that belongs to God and God alone, and the lower story where we live and we struggle. And he would often encourage us, encourage us connect those two stories. Connect them by recognizing that it is his love, his mercy, his kindness that doesn't change. He knew us as we were being formed in our mother's womb. Make connections from this story to that story. Prayer, Bible study, God's word, all those things. So do you know that God is with you? By faith, are you just trusting and believing that God is with you in the darkest place? In the moments when you sin and turn from him, God is with you. In the deepest sorrow, in that overwhelming fear and anxiety, God is with you. Do you know that? In the longings that you brought into this very room for your marriage, for relationships at work, etc., those critical longings, you know, God is with you. Now, now, joy can arise because you know the one who fashioned the stars and the skies. Now you can give him your tears, your pain, your fears. For you know the one who sighed, died, and was crucified, only to rise and show us how to be fully alive, who tasted all that we know and made a place for us to go, where all injustice will be made right and your deepest struggles be put to flight, never to invade your soul or steal your heart from the one who saves you, sees you, hears you, the one who sings over you. Songs of joy, shouts of love, melodies that calm and still all the noise inside. He promised a place where the shackles of sin are tossed aside and suffering denied because you know the one who brings you joy in the now. You know the one who can help you stop from groping in this world. Lord, have mercy, we're blind. And turn you into the one hoping in this world. Praise God for new wine. We are to bring light to each other. We are to be real with each other. For the sake of the one who set us free, let us cry out, you are not alone. It's you and me together with God, in God, for the glory of God. This is the foundation that we can choose to build our joy-filled lives on. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will rejoice over you with singing. He'll quiet you with his love. It is so great for you, his love. Now, I want to take a moment to think about and reflect on our circumstances. God is interested in saving you, not just saving you from your circumstances. God is interested in changing you, not just changing your circumstances. When God saves you and gives you a new heart, your circumstances will be different. Not because your circumstances have changed, but because in Christ Jesus, God has changed you.
Are you using your experience of life as a pathway to God or are you using God to improve your experience of life? Are you using your experience of life as a pathway to God who sings over you, who can save you, who loves you, or are you using God to improve your experience of life? For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers, we also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us life. And Father, we trust you and your scriptures and we see Jesus and the example he has set before us. We are to live sacrificially, giving our lives away through love, acceptance, and welcome. Loving others in the name of Jesus, edifying each other, pointing each other to Christ and the great love that's expressed on the cross. So God, help us not to be oversharers, but to be people who are willing to be real, to say we struggle, and then also follow to be willing to be willing to give our lives away and encourage and edify others for the glory of Christ, for the glory of his kingdom, that the church might be a true witness of the resurrected Savior. This we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll be up front if you want to chat or pray. God bless. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next weekend.